So enough about me. These gentlemen will be chatting now. <laughs> and then also let you know the books, uh, uh, Dimitri has uh, three books that are up here. Four. Four. Four, Four books. <laughs> And uh, the latest is called Soviet Stamps, and it's a, and he can tell you about it. And you have a copy to hold up, I assume. Yes, it's right here. <laughs> and then Ben is the uh, publisher and uh, have most of the byline, I, I think, in the, the local zine, Namaste, motherfucker. You're supposed to use asterisk. I mean, Namaste, motherfucker, asterisk, asterisk. Thank you. <laughs> whatever. And uh, he's up to number eight. Yeah. And those are for sale here as well. So without further ado. All right. Thank you. I don't know how to follow that introduction. We're done, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, can I, I give up? Can I, I give up? I can't you. follow that introduction. But I, I will try anyway. I'll say um, the copies of the zine have artwork by Dimitri either on the front or the back cover or inside. And I stupidly forgot that you wrote a piece about Nelson Algren, but I forget which one it's in. So maybe it's in one of those. Well, they'll have to buy all the issues and find it. And send away. <laughs> send yes. away for the one that's not there. The proofs of purchase. And, yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lifetime supply of seahorses. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sea monkeys. What was it? On the sea monkeys. Sea monkeys. Sea monkeys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back of the comic books. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, Dimitri's other books that are there on the counter also feature writing and art. And uh, I remember Dimitri when I met him at the movie theater that I pretended to work at, but actually didn't, that I spent a lot of time at, uh, and which Dimitri actually worked at. Um, <laughs> I'm coming to the end of a sentence, aren't I? Uh, I remember him drawing a lot, and he stuck to it, and he never quit. And we all thought he was going to make a lot of money from his art, but wait, it turns wait, wait, out... which of you thought I was going to make money? Because he was very disparaging of the recreational habits of people in the theater... He was very committed to advancing his career. Um, but as you'll find out from reading this book... Where's this teleprompter that you're reading? <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is it's the information I was given. Uh, if you read it's on the book, inside, yeah. He'll, you'll find that he is uh, a person who started young and... As I said, state committee, even though there, there hasn't been a lot of money. And um, just for the hell of it, heck of it, excuse me, I'd like to read something that's kind of random and doesn't fit into any coherent flow with what I'm saying. But this is um, <clears throat> from Dimitri's early years, uh, high school, I think. There's an essay that I really like. It's very short. It's not even an essay. And it's going to take me about five more minutes to find it. So I'm just going to keep talking. What's, what's the essay about? Um, can help you. The one about happiness. Oh, yeah. Oh, here it is. Yeah. So, um, this is early in high school? Like Somewhere in the middle. middle I couldn't school. quite pinpoint exact, the exact yeah, year, yeah. but... I, I think it was, yeah, sophomore, maybe junior year, but somewhere in the middle. So I met you when you were 18? 17 or 18, 17, yeah. 18. Like, you, you met me in, like, yeah, probably like 87, 88, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this is maybe a, a year or two before I met Dimitri. It gives a little flavor of the worldview that he was developing that he kind of stuck to. Reflection number 14, unhappiness. Happiness is something that is fleeting. It's like a spark, which rarely comes, but outshines everything else in its path before it's gone again. One cannot wait for it or draw it out. One doesn't know when it will happen or how. It can't be premeditated because that is only lulling oneself into a false situation by some kind of comfort. It is not enough to be comforted. Comforted, that is not happiness. Comfort is secure and Attainable happiness is unpredictable and cannot be gotten. You can't buy it in a store, 
or see it on TV, but when it's there, there's nothing else momentarily. <laughs> so I think that's kind of the key, part yeah. of the, the momentarily part. But um, I don't know. I, I was going to ask you uh, if there were other artists and writers that got you thinking about um, putting your artwork, your drawings and paintings into books with text. Like I was looking at that Ben Sean book we were talking mm. about today, which is more uh, uh, sort of a straightforward um, argument about form and content, right? So it's not autobiographical. But if there were other people who are both painters and writers, they got you thinking about uh, putting books I, that I mean, uh, not directly, but uh, I mean... the. Aside, so the book is called Soviet Stamps because the sort of uh, jumping off point is the stamp collection that I had uh, when I was still back in the Soviet Union and that continued into the first year or two after me and my family moved to America. Um, and the stamps uh, was, were like an early informative uh, visual influence to me as, as an artist. Mm -hmm. But the other, the other big formative influence was children, Soviet children's books which were filled with pictures and text. And, uh, you know, in the, in the Soviet Union, many of the writers uh, couldn't publish their own work, and many, the only way that they could express themselves were, was either through publishing translations, state-approved translations, or through children's literature. So a lot of people got... The, the, the children's literature was kind of where you went for the, for the real thing a lot of times, and... Uh, I think, uh, at least, uh, maybe not uh, on a conscious level, but like that was always that was always in there. And uh, by the time I got to writing, like I couldn't imagine writing anything without pictures involved. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the thing you read earlier that that reflection that on happiness was uh, from it was a homework assignment that I had in a philosophy class where we had to she would give us a topic and we had to write. Uh, each week we had to write something new, and uh, basically I, I would fill up the page and write and just stop. I, I just did the bare minimum. So like, <laughs> but that was an early attempt at writing, and I never. I included a couple of pieces of sort of like writing I did in school. Uh, I, I have my fourth grade autobiography in there too, which is oh, I forgot about pretty that. pretty interesting. In which I predict that I'm going to be an artist and writer which is bizarre because I never intended to be a writer. Uh, I became a writer basically because I, I drove a cab after graduating from art school and that crazy job made me into a writer. <laughs> but the, the art I've always had, it's, I don't remember ever not doing it. Uh, and uh, I didn't do any pieces of writing on my own that wasn't a homework assignment until I turned 30 and started, attempted my first kind of like writing about cab driving. Uh, it was uh, a zine called Hack, uh, which later turned into a couple of books much later. But uh, at first it was almost all images with like a sentence or two. And gradually, the, the more I did, the more writing there, there was. Mm -hmm. So now it's every book has more or less writing. Like the, the book right before Soviet Stamps, Music to My Eyes, is actually more vision, more pictures so right here, this book, uh, and this, uh, yeah, this has 160 drawings in it uh, of uh, people playing music and my recollections and memories connected to that. Uh, this is also the first book that I uh, designed and laid out and did pretty much soup to nuts myself. Uh, I published this in connection, in uh, partnership with a small uh, press in Chicago, but basically it was all me. So by the uh, you know, half a year after this came out, I, I realized that I could put out a book myself. I knew how much it cost. It wasn't that expensive, so that led to this mm. current book, mm. which is under my own imprint. Did you ever think of a... <clears throat> did when uh, Samasta, is that how you pronounce it? Samasta, yeah. In, in the, when you were still in the Soviet Union, did you see those as a kid, and were those... An inspiration, or do you think about the way they got passed around? Or you might want to explain since so, so yeah, Samizdat was banned literature that was passed from from people in uh, often badly photocopied, you know, copies from. So you would read the thing and then pass it on because it was dangerous to have in your home. And uh, 
I don't remember them personally because I was seven when I left, but uh, according to family lore, they, they would hide these, like, the samistats, uh, in like, in my crib. Instead of, like, <laughs> like our, our house was raided once by KGB looking for book, for banned books. I know that. Uh, they broke down a door, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, among the, the people that were interested, you know, the, the intelligentsia, of which my parents were part of, uh, that was definitely a common practice. But yeah, I didn't have any personal experience with, with Samistat. So your your parents sort of wanted you to get into music. That was one of the things. But was art also something that they kind of encouraged uh, you to do? Well, the, the music was, yeah, sort of like... Violin lessons, yeah, right? Yeah, my mom's unfulfilled musical dreams, uh, which, you know... She lived vicariously through me by making me play an instrument I hated for eight years, uh, <laughs> uh, which and that material is covered in the in the music book <laughs> a bit. So I left it out of the Soviet book. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think you know they steered me. I, I mean, I, I had this art habit very early, and they tried at first to steer me towards something more practical, but then eventually gave up because I wasn't being cooperative. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I ended up going to art school, which was a sort of a compromise with them because I, I wasn't going to go to college at all, but art school was somewhere between not school and mm -hmm. a real education. <laughs> no. uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, in my mind, it's still an open question wh whether that was worthwhile or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah, so the art was always there. And, you know, they, as any parents, would want their child to go into a profession that actually paid money. So were they excited when you started driving cab? <laughs> <laughs> My mom was really excited when I became a security guard. I don't yeah. Know, probably about the same age. You, she, she felt like you'd fulfilled all your potential? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was about it, you know. But then I moved on to driving cab, so I exceeded... No, uh, I mean, the, 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 the driving a cab was my chosen, you know way of making a living after graduating from art school in uh, 1993 but uh yeah they were pretty bad pretty mystified by that career choice i think <laughs> were there any uh you you talk in the book about how um by the time you got to chicago there were no benefits and there was no union activity but when you started you know i, I was Driving ahead driver, of you, but yeah. that was the end of the, the commission, commission yeah, era yeah. where we were represented by so, the Teamsters, which were, you know, they had their yeah, problems. So I, I started benefits. driving a cab in Boston in 1993, and there were some old old timers that still had that deal. I they didn't offer that to me. Yeah. The new drivers didn't get. Uh, so a commission driver for anybody that doesn't know works for the company, and you split the meter. So the company's invested in you having a good night because then they make, make more money whereas lease drivers pay a flat fee and so the cab company doesn't care if you make a dime yeah because they get their money one way or the other and that's that was the only option i ever had uh either that or you buy your own medallion you know uh so yeah but there were some old timers that still had that that deal going mm -hmm. but they were on their way out uh by the time i started yeah. Not, another thing with commission which is really uh Kind of one of these happy-go-lucky benefits is if you were robbed, they would cover half. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. So I never so did, did this, but I knew drivers. So who what were you doing while you were uh, while you parked the cab and went to see movies at the Coolidge? But Where was that? When you would park the cab by the Coolidge and go to see movies, uh, they would call. I think they called me at the theater a few times because yeah. they couldn't get me on the radio. Maybe that's <laughs> inaccurate. But How many years did you drive? I drove from uh, when I was 24, which would have been in 1999. No, wait, a little earlier than that. Um, from when I was 24 you're 30, to you're 32 was, now, right? 24. <laughs> and um, for four years, and four then years. I put I burned out this one. Well, for various reasons, I didn't go back into work for a week. Mm. And they called me in, and they warned me before, and they fired me. And I talked them into keeping me on before. But that that time when they fired me, um, I I think I 
kissed the manager in appreciation because I was so happy to be fired. Wow. So that was 88. And then I became Freddy's driver. Right. Did yeah. you meet that guy? The, the scalper, The scalper, right? yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, I remember, I mean, we were friends then, and we were going to shows and going to weird movies and stuff, yeah. but uh, I don't know if I actually ever met him. Yeah. Yeah, he was a piece of work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we got tickets to some shows. I probably wouldn't have gotten tickets to, like, where we went with the rat and things like that. But, uh, <laughs> did, they, did they have scalp tickets to places like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Dimitri had a fake ID when he was how old, seventeen or something? Yeah, seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which which I used uh, mainly not for drinking, but to get into shows to yeah. hear music. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was wondering, you know, your uh, approach isn't overtly political, but you were <clears throat> talking about really liking Max Beckman, the great um, German artist from the twenties. Yeah, and you talk. You mentioned how under Reagan, you felt compelled to do. I don't know. It was a painting of a gas mask or a drawing of a gas mask, and then no, that talk, that was the first first Gulf War. Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah. First, first Gulf, Gulf War. War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I did a gas mask print. Yeah, that was when I was in school. Yeah, at yeah. the Art Institute in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the, I mean, the problem with, I mean, in visual poli political art is it. So much of it gets dated so quickly, yeah. you know, and it, I was definitely cognizant of that and, you know, being in art school and having some uh, knowledge of art history, like, there, you have to really nail it to uh, have something to stand the test of time that's not so completely uh, pegged to one time in history. And um, I mean, mostly, you know, so mostly what I do as a visual artist is I, I paint from life. I, I do observational stuff one way or another. And... Uh, so uh, the idea of putting ideas or politics overtly into it mm -hmm. is definitely not like my the first gear or like the first impulse, you know. But yeah, there there are definitely obviously times when it's sort of unavoidable. So that yeah, that was the these colors don't run uh, war. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If anybody remembers that you know? yellow ribbon. Yeah, the yellow ribbon oh, and yeah. these colors don't run. Yeah, and yeah, that was that was in our faces. It was kind of hard to ignore. <laughs> Yeah, I remember a college chum going home and his mom said, where's your yellow ribbon? <laughs> what do you mean, mom? And then she explained it to him. Okay. Um, that was to support the troops. It symbolized, what, um, troops pissing in fear or something? I don't know. Well, that's why I made the cover of my book yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. in honor yeah. of that yeah. yellow ribbon. If the troops are coming home, you would wrap a yellow ribbon around a tree. The old, oh, it's wrap a song. yellow yeah, ribbon yeah, around yeah, the old yeah. oak tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you had all, uh, you know, no, I no, have... No, 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 no. What? What was the significance? That came later, but it was... Tie a yellow ribbon like on the old oak tree. A guy getting out of prison was just a... It was like a guy who was, like, worried that he'd be rejected, getting out of, a, getting out of like, you know, stir, and he goes on the outside, and he's home, and they have a ribbon there. And then later on, it was picked up by the patriotic troop people. Huh. That's okay. That's great history. That's, a, that's yeah. history. That's they, a fun fact. They, they, they yeah. are all harmonious uh, meanings. They are. They, they, they circulate in this room. They're all like kind of on the same. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you guys. You don't have to apologize. Never apologize, all right. Patrick. All right. um, <laughs> no remorse. No remorse, Patrick. Um, yeah, you said uh, I rarely ever indulge in political art, considering it reductive and limiting. Yeah. And then you explain how you did that because of the first Gulf War yeah. piece. But you said something interesting. You said distance is necessary. Mm. Otherwise, emotions are too raw and close. And it kind of hit me, you know, I, was, I read the book a while ago, and then mm. I've been reading all this horrific political stuff. Yeah. And I went back, and I was rereading parts. And I, it's kind of caught me because, um, I mean, you know, I think my emotions are a little raw for political realities today. Mm. And uh, I've been feeling kind of overwhelmed by all the, you know, uh, the tidal waves of shit that are coming at us. But, uh, not to be well, judgmental. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, but the whole thing about um, it being raw and close and not having any distance is interesting. Wondering yeah, so I mean, that. by the time I, I started writing this book, uh, let's see, in about 
2012 or 2013, mm. uh, when I'd wrapped up the second cat book, I needed a, another project and decided on immigration and like sort of trying to delve into how I started doing art. But by that by that point, uh, the time period that I I wanted to write about was already or 20 or 30 years in the past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, that's the distance that I'm talking about. I, mm -hmm. I think that it's very obviously this book is like, you know, a middle-aged person's like recollection or analysis uh, of, a, of, of a childhood and like a early development mm -hmm. as an artist. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not like a blow-by-blow, blow, like, you know, on the, on the scene kind of reporting, of, which is happens, you know, with the political events and what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was attempting to write, uh, you know, sort of about details of my life as if, from a distance and as, basically as another person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because, yeah, I didn't want it to be like a matter of, uh, you know, either settling scores or kind of, I don't know, I, I wanted to, I wanted there to be distance to, to have a view from the outside as, as if I was looking at someone else, mm -hmm. you know, I thought that seemed like an important thing when I was writing it, and um, yeah, through the years of writing it and having <laughs> having it sort of like the the book was basically done about five years ago, but I couldn't um, get anyone to publish it, um, and I shelved it uh, for a few years. Basically, I, I didn't start thinking about it again until. This, the previous the music book mm -hmm. came around where uh, once I got more sort of creative and like kind of like hands-on control over the actual publishing process I realized that this thing that had been sitting and kind of gnawing at me you know like mm -hmm. I, I knew a, like a, a cost-effective way of getting it out in the world and kind of out of out of my head you know <laughs> And this was it, and it's it's like it's a real relief to have the book out in the world. Yeah. This one more than any other that I've written, really. Well, it's yeah. funny that I mean, it's not funny, haha, -ha, but it's interesting to You're me. You're laughing at my pain. <laughs> I'm laughing inside. <laughs> that, um, that you say, you know, it uh, maybe gestated or took a while to come out, and mm -hmm. you worked on it over a long period of time. Because it seems like the editing process was incredibly thorough. Like you had mentioned earlier that a few people went over it and other, yeah. he had a few sets of eyes, but I read so many books that need copy editing or are kind of haste, clearly hastily put out for deadline and kind of yeah. thrown together a little too much. And big publishers don't seem to hire even oh, copy you know, editors, interns yeah. to copy Well, edit. one big advantage I've had since I got into book publishing pretty late in life. My first book came out when I was 41, uh, you know, almost ten year, nine years ago now. But my first book was put out by the University of Chicago Press, who put out the Chicago Manual of Style and are sort of fanatical about editing. Yeah. So that thing, it took two years from the time I signed the contract to publication, and it was round after round after round of editing. So that's where I learned yeah. how, how books are supposed to be put out. So... Yeah. And in the intervening years, I've done a lot of journalism, written a lot of various reviews and articles. So I've worked with many different editors, and that stuff has definitely lodged in my head pretty pretty well. And I'm definitely not going to put out something that's just like a you know a photocopied you know blog you know stapled together <laughs> into book form. You know, like mine, you mean? Is you look at me book? when you say that? <laughs> well, when, when when you put out you know the compendium of Namaste, motherfucker, we'll talk again. I'll interview you. Maybe I'll that. go over. I'll think of that. <laughs> but so, did you have a? <clears throat> did you have somebody ever after the first one that you paid to look through it, or did you? Oh yeah. have various people in the business. Oh yeah, each one. Uh, so my editor. my first editor on all the books is uh, is a guy named Bill Savage who. Oh, right. Who teaches at Northwestern? Who's the older brother of Dan Savage? Uh, and yeah, he's sort of a his specialty is kind of Chicago literature, and he's he's always been my first reader. Uh, but the other books have had various other people. I've had so the so after getting back to editing Soviet stamps after having not read it even myself for about three years. Last year, uh, I had uh, my copy editor from. UFC Press, uh, look over it. 
I bartered a, a pet portrait for her <laughs> services. Uh, and then uh, a, a, a writer and teacher named Christian Tabordo in Chicago did the, the final edit on it, uh, who also did it in exchange for artwork and a very small amount of money, which we fought over. I was trying to give him more, he wanted less. So, uh, God, if only real life were like that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm very lucky to know enough people in that in that business where I know that I can get two, three sets of eyes on it, which is really, really important on a book. And hopefully opposed viewpoints, different viewpoints, the more different ones, the better. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really important for a professional type of book. So um, did, did you actually get comments where people, uh, Bill or whoever else would be saying you should clarify this or you should tighten this yeah, up? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it got, uh, and the, like the, so it's uh, the book is put together with you know out of kind of short couple page essays I'd say or vignettes uh, and it's it's roughly uh, chronological starting in 1977 ending in 1997 but there there are places there are switchbacks and kind of like callbacks to previous times and uh, like uh, Aaron uh, who did the copy edit on. Uh, my first book uh, suggested that I write more about art and more about art school. So I actually added the last couple of chapters of the book were written last year. Uh, so I pulled it up to 1997. Originally, I had it only going up to graduation of art school when I moved back to Boston and started driving a cab. But I added a couple more years at her sort of suggestion that she wanted to know more about like the art development kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I took suggestions from everybody, mm. for sure, yeah. It's funny, I think you had the same <clears throat> experience I did when you graduated. You got the diploma holder without the diploma in it. That's true. Yeah, really... I had an incomplete. I, I went to, they let me go to graduation and then sprung this piece of paper on me. I had family there, and it was, yeah, it was a, a, not a happy surprise. So I went back to Boston and uh, basically went to the... Brookline Public Library and like copied out some stuff from an encyclopedia Shame to fulfill a homework assignment I hadn't done for this uh, academic class. It was like a science requirement. Why there was a science class in the art school, I don't know, but and the, the class was a joke the whole time. It was really easy. Uh, I had no uh, warning at all that I was in danger of uh, not passing. And the school was pass-fail. We didn't oh, even yeah. get grades, so oh, yeah. it, was, it was ridiculous. Uh, but was not a happy going away present for me from the school. So your parents actually saw you get the that news from on the podium. They saw you get a piece. Of well, they did, they didn't announce it. They didn't <laughs> announce it over the loudspeaker. And everybody graduates except <laughs> no, no, no. I went up there. It was a regular graduation type thing. Except yeah, in in my little folder, it was just a piece of paper. You know, yeah. said, sorry, but yeah, at least you had the holder, right? So you yeah. could fake it. That yeah. was my situation. Well, yeah, yeah. It looked like I graduated. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. You could have been like Nathaniel West. Did you ever read about his experience in college? Uh, he had some... This One of our favorite writers, Nathaniel yeah. West, went it's to Brown, brilliant. and he, he had a friend in the administration office who had access to all the school records, and there was someone else named, named Nathaniel West who was going to school at the same time. So they just copied his <laughs> records. He didn't go to any classes or anything. He graduated. Yeah, man. Great writer, though. I'll anyway, see. There you go. I don't know what that has to do with what we we're getting to. But... Thanks for that story, though. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> God, I had something to say, too. Testimony to education and its worth. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, one thing that's not in the book that I know from following your newsletter. Dimitri has a weekly newsletter that goes out over email, and it's the only thing I get over email that I always read. Oh, um, thanks, man. <laughs> it's only a little depressing, unlike all the other email I get. And um, <laughs> he uh, includes artwork and talks about stuff he's doing and has responses to things in his life. And whatnot, but you talk about getting off all social media after years of doing a maintaining a Twitter account devoted to 
a writer we both yeah. love. Yeah. Uh, oh, Nelson Aldrich. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I you were you were obs- Twitter, kind of obsessively yeah. doing the Twitter account, and you pulled back, and yeah, uh, and then you got, but you also got off Gmail, Google, and it took months, right, to get all your stuff. Uh, uh well, that that was last year. That was more, yeah. So I quit social media in uh, 2015, uh, blessedly, like before the run up to the previous election yeah. and I'm convinced that that helped save whatever shred of sanity I can claim <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I got off Gmail uh, and Google for the most part last year you know, uh, it, it took a while uh, I mean these things are so ubiquitous that it, you sort of don't realize how pervasive they become in your mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. until you start shutting them off uh, I mean, I had to go through thousands of email before to figure out what I wanted to keep and what I wanted to chuck. Yeah, and uh, I had uh, I had all my like um, all the files, for the visual files for the yeah. my website. I have, a, I have a website that's basically an archive of my art going back, you know, twenty, thirty years. And uh, in the in the cloud, they were all on uh, Google Drive, and I had to I, I moved them all. Uh, yeah, they're they're all on the different platform now but yeah that that was a real pain in the ass so is that, is that the same as your email it's like proton mail or something yeah proton i i only have uh, that for email so oh. yeah uh yeah it was it was a i don't know it was an attempt to get one more uh, kind of invasive company a little bit out of my mm-hmm. face you know i mean it, these are all sort of these pathetic little prote- personal protests, you know, I don't know how, how, how much they do, but like on a day-to-day level, it seems like it, it's a little bit easier to breathe this way, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to, it's not a prescription for other people either, everybody's got the things they can and can't live with and, need, yeah. you know, need, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the computer way too much still, you know. Uh, Email or? Just, just on the computer, you know, <laughs> it's. But you do, do you ever do, you don't do any artwork using digital technology, do you? Uh, only only for, for scanning editing. And yes, scanning, editing. I use Photoshop a lot oh. for editing, for, for making things, cleaning things up and making, you know, so uh, while learning how to do book layout on Music to My Eyes, like I had to, I had to rent uh, InDesign, which is this horrible Adobe <laughs> program which you can't buy anymore. You have to subscribe uh, every month because that's the only way that, because, yeah, they want to keep sucking money out of you and updating yeah. it and yeah. updating it. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, I, I use, I have to use computers a lot for editing visual stuff. Uh, but I, I don't ever create anything on a computer. No, it's only for editing. It's a, yeah, it's just a... It's a tool. You yeah. use a manual typewriter a lot for the text on your website, right? I do. Or is that just on the top, the top page? Uh, there's the still some, top? yeah. I, I, late, lately, I've, I've been incorporating more just handwriting, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no act, there's no computer text anywhere on my website. Basically, that's one of the sort of like aesthetic choices. And the yeah, the website's let's see, how old is the website? It's 16 years old. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, there's no changing that now. The look of it is great. I, Thank you. I really like it. How do you uh, find the website? Samarob dot com. D m i t r y s a m a r o b. dot com. Uh, so, do you want to say something about your trajectory more recently as an artist and how? it's working out for you I know you've gone through trying different approaches to do the kind of online fundraising what is it oh. Patreon or yeah yeah I'm really good at quitting stuff so yeah like yeah last week yeah two weeks ago I quit Patreon after being on it for two months didn't I teach you how to do that quitting yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 88 so yeah, yeah. quitting is for winners for closers yes. closers and coffee and coffee yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah uh well you know like anybody you know you got to try these things they either work or they don't mm. and uh yeah being on Patreon brought back all the feelings I had when I did a Kickstarter for my second book. 
and this like kind of like endless like need to get reactions and donations and like it just it, it felt formless and just kind of nebulous and horrible mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know what I was doing on there and actually I mean it was sort of considering I'm not on social media it was semi-successful for a thing started with you know no publicity at all you know I got 12 people giving me money you know and I, I sent them all a bunch of artwork and stuff and then pulled the plug mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm you know I keep trying to figure out how to do this, um, how to make money off the work. Uh, you know, I have a bunch of side jobs. I, I bartend. I uh, I do book reviews of various kinds, pet portraits, other illustration. You stuff. still do film reviews for Chicago Reader too. Right? Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't recently. I mean, they're downsizing, downsizing, downsizing. They're they're trying to be a nonprofit now. So I mean, like I think they're yeah. It's it's the end is coming soon, and they're the last like free week alternative weekly in America basically. Uh, you know, Village Voice has gone even from online. Still in Seattle, still like this. There's a couple of little yeah. There's a couple, but like the readers one of the last, and I mean basically it comes down to a thing of like they're, you know, they're an entity of another time. They don't know how to make money except for print ads. Uh, and uh, they're down to the size of a shopping circular. They used to be the size of a phone book. Mm. It's a, you know, we're, we're in a different time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I've, yeah, I have less and less uh, work from them. <laughs> Recently, what I've gotten most steadily is Castle Theater Reviews. So they send me to see plays, which is fun and oh. easy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I got into that because I had a problem with the film editor and uh, asked what else I could do there. So they sent me. They switched me to the theater beat. Yeah. Do you still see uh, utterly ridiculous kind of bottom of the barrel movies like the ones we used to go to for cheap laughs? Or you know, do you find that a way to maintain your sanity. <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't know if I have quite the taste for the bad movies I used to. Uh, I, I I like actually more and more I go to old movies or foreign movies I'd never heard of, you know. And Chicago's super lucky as San Francisco is to have like a vibrant repertory and kind of art house scene, movie scene. And that's that's where that's where I'm at most of the time. And I mean it's really good not to ever have to see, you know, Hollywood slop, you know. It's I I haven't seen a movie with, you know, men in tights in quite a while. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um God, I can't read the rest of my notes, so I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> Where were all the gotcha questions? Yeah, I left them at home. I had these Shit. vintage. Maybe somebody in the audience will have one. Yeah, undoubtedly. Um, uh, well, this is from your other books. So you talked about this a little bit the last time you were here, but you know, you you talked about how um, um, music had influenced you a little bit and um, you talk about a a bill of seeing butthole surfers with world sax quartet which are kind of like opposite ends of the spectrum so um, is your was your uh, experience with music an influence in terms of thinking beyond um, strict categories or um, pigeonholing art for sure yeah I, I mean like some of the stuff you know I found out about through you and other other people you know in the in the 80s in, in Boston uh, you know I was introduced to a lot of underground and music that wasn't played on the radio in the, mm. the 80s like pretty much all the good stuff wasn't on the radio mm. uh, so uh, and I mean I still I mean to this day you know like I look for new music almost every day it's a huge part of my life, even though I wasn't able to play it uh, myself because uh, it's on the wrong instrument or what have you. But yeah, there was a choice at some point to go towards like visual art instead of music. And I think, I mean, I'm not the first person to think it, but like music as being like the greatest, greatest or purest art form because it, you know, it doesn't even need a, a form, it can travel on the air, you know sound it's, you know it's between us it, it's so every other art form is kind of like 
deficient in, in comparison, you know. Well, you also you were talking about music, and, to. Yeah. music as being the, the kind of ultimate form of communication compared to other forms of art, right? That I mean, it, you know, I mean, you know, something more articulate than that. Yeah, probably. I, I, I would, uh, I, I'd, uh, urge people to read the books. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm better in the print than off the cuff, I think. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a immediate, like an immediacy, uh, that yeah, yeah. doesn't exist in any other form. Uh, every other form has, you know, like a book has to have pages, a painting has to have a canvas, paints. Uh, music can be made just with your throat, you know, like you don't have to record it, you don't have to, uh, uh, all the other art forms, the ones that I work in have, have these formal and other restrictions that music doesn't, I think. So you, you were saying you, music is in a way kind of, kind of part of your creative process, because when you're painting or drawing, you're listening? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah the music, yeah, I have music all the time. It's, it's never, never far away. Yeah. And yeah, one of the fun, fun side gigs I have from time to time is when I'm asked to do like uh, album artwork for, for friends' bands and stuff. I have uh, something coming out, uh, in a couple of months, uh, and so I'm lucky enough to actually go to the record plant to watch the vinyl being made, the machine spinning out oh, the, wow. the vinyl, which is kind of a really cool process to watch. Mm. And uh, I was with one of the guys in the band, and he was just ecstatic. It was like, <laughs> yeah, he was watching his babies being born. It was kind of amazing. And it's cool because the guy running the place was super enthusiastic, super into, like, working with local people, mm-hmm. kind of people, yeah, who are really into their art, maybe not not for just commercial reasons, but because they have to do it. And uh, yeah, I, I, so much of that, the previous book, Music to My Eyes, is me basically talking about art, but through this other art form, music, mm-hmm. which is so important to me that I don't personally do. But yeah, in an indirect way, it's, it's sort of like, it's talking about what I do, just through other people's work. Yeah, I think he mentioned too that you listen to, uh, you know, just one time we were talking about this, and he said you listen to um, interviews of people and podcasts and news and that yeah. kind of thing. And I was wondering how, you know, if I'm writing, I can't really focus if I have somebody else talking, but this. How does that mesh with your creative process when you're painting or drawing? Oh yeah, I can, I can talk. I can totally listen to interviews and. Uh, so does that take you in different directions, or do you sort of do one thing and the it's like a compartmentalized thing? Um, I, I don't know if I'd be able to pinpoint it exactly what happens, but it it's de- it definitely gets in there in some indirect kind of by osmosis mm-hmm. what I'm listening to. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I'll be working on a painting and end up calling something after something I heard on the radio, mm-hmm. you know, some phrase or something, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of just a like an in-joke or a note just to me, but uh, it gets in there. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd be able to pinpoint it, but for sure, yeah. But yeah, yeah, write, writing with talking, yeah, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with the uh, writing ads. I, I can write with music, but yeah, definitely not with talking. Oh, you think we should do questions? Can I ask one? Yeah. Here's a link. No, sorry, I, no, no, I can't answer this. <laughs> um, uh, why the written word? No. Um, uh, In the beginning. Do you have... Uh, a strong feeling about another book project? Or are you just focusing on painting for a while? Or oh, the next? Yeah, no, I've got I've got two things. Uh, I'm working on a, on a book set in bars, since bartending kind of book, which is is slowly morphing into a fictionalized, just because it has to be for various reasons, <laughs> it has to be fictionalized uh, kind of book, which I hope to finish by the end of this year, and then. Uh, the other thing I want to do is do a one-volume kind of reissues with added things about the cab stuff. I want to do like kind of like a remix, mm. reassessment, and put it out in this hardcover form of, mm. of these books uh, of all the cab stuff, like for the 
tenth anniversary of Hack next year. That's oh. another. So are you reworking some of the old uh, pieces, or I'm I'm, I'm still thinking about how I want to do it, but basically, yeah. So you know, I, I wrote two two books about uh, my cab driving years, and they're not strictly like it's not like uh, the second book is a sequel exactly. It's a reassessment. It, it's a wider focus kind of than the first book, but I think I think I've got I've got some rudimentary ideas about how to kind of remix it. I, I don't want to just mash the two books together mm. and like slap it together and put it out. Mm -hmm. uh, I also did a bunch of writing after I quit driving cab, uh, looking back at the cab years and also kind of looking forward to what's left of an industry that's pretty much dead. Uh, it's, a, it's of another time, as so many things are. Um, yeah. Good. Let's do this. Q &A thing. About, about three hours ago, I was coming home. I didn't know you existed, and I see this. <laughs> you knew I existed. I've seen you before. I, I did. I did. <coughs> and uh, I, I see your your book featured just in the window, and I look mm -hmm. at it, and it's very attractive. So I'm com I haven't read you yet. I'm commenting on your bookmaking. Mm. So I went, that's beautiful. I come on in. I go back and grab it. I'm looking through. I thought it might be about stamps. <laughs> and uh, but. I love books. And so it wasn't about books. So I'm mm. going, well, what is it? And I'm looking at the references, the little list of the books in the front. Mm. The little, it was beautifully put together. It's, Thank you. It's a jewel of a book. I agree. I think it's it's very, it pulled me in off the street. Then when it wasn't what I thought it was, I looked through And it, you're still here. That's and amazing. I, <laughs> and, I, and I read a couple of pages, and I realized it's a narrative with an angle. You know, you've got an angled approach. <laughs> Yeah. That sounded real interesting to me. I actually talked about it before we uh, got started, and there was general agreement that people were about what I was saying about how my first impressions of the book. So I just want to say congratulations on that. And I decided to come and hear you talk, and I'm going to read it too. So that's, I'm, I'm, that's generally a success, I would say. I, I, I'm going to endorse everything you just said. Oh. That's fantastic. <laughs> I liked all. I liked all of that. I have nothing to add to that. These make wonderful gifts too. So yes. Santa's birthday or anybody's birthday, whatever. Independence Day. <laughs> big fan of Carol is a big fan of Independence Day, so Carol can buy multiple copies for that holiday. It's coming up. That's yeah. not the time yeah. I get my gifts out. That's when we're celebrating our independence from the government or something. Yes, yeah. from all things. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? Anybody else? Questions, comments? So do you recommend uh, this form of publishing? I mean, you're the kind of self-publishing. Do I recommend it? Uh, well, look. <laughs> if, no, I mean, if, is it, uh, do you do as many, you, you do a limited run? Yeah, uh, yeah, so both these last books are uh, signed and numbered limited editions of about 800. Uh, I, I sort of took the cue from, like, the way they do LPs now. You know, they, they do a number, like a, a small run. I think, uh, you know, there's the people that love books as objects, you know, there's, I don't know how many of them there are, and I think there will be less of them. Uh, it, it'll be a niche thing. And that's, Hopefully there are 800. Still. Yeah, I'd, I'd like them there to be 800. I mean, there's, you know, uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it to other people uh, unless they're willing to do basically all the work themselves. Uh, if you do all the work yourself, it can be um, economically viable in a way. I mean, not to make a living, but to where you don't go broke. Uh, but if, if you're outsourcing a lot of the... The only thing I'm outsourcing with this last book is the printing, basically. Uh, the, the editing uh, was done basically by barter and with very small amounts of money. I did all the other work myself. If, if you can do that, then it, then it can be worthwhile. But like... So the, the previous book uh, was put out uh, in, uh, in partnership with a small press, uh, and that, the guy who runs it has never put out a hardcover book, has never put out a book like this. All his other books are all uh, print-on-demand uh, paperbacks. This is Music to My Ears you're talking about? Music to My Eyes, yes. My eyes. Uh, so the, the margins on, on, that, on the small publishing, like uh, the, the per-unit price is way, way higher for those paperbacks than that book. But that book looks much nicer. It's, it's made, you know, like, 
like a real book. It looks like a real book. And as the gentleman said before, you know, it'll be, you have to see one and hold it in your hands and that'll sell it if you don't know what it's about or, you know, don't know who I am or what have you. And that's, it, that's the approach that I'm taking. Uh, so yeah, you have to, you have to have a chunk of money up front, but the per unit price for these is much lower than the, the standard small press model these days, which is, yeah, yeah, you can press a button and make like three books, but each book is going to cost you like eight, nine, ten dollars. You know, these these cost less than that. No. No. Anyone else? You're talking about uh, hand lettering as opposed to using type fonts, and uh, as I've been hearing about the use of various uh, you know copyrights on, on uh, type fonts, I'm wondering if. Is there a billing if you use someone else's type font, or you? Oh, the uh, the type. Oh, if you, if you use one up, that yeah, it seems like yeah, it's a pretty nebulous area there. There, yeah, I mean, there's there's many sites that give you the for free or ones that like ask for a donation. You know, like the ones. So I I use two different fonts for the for these two books. Uh, I get I gave I gave money to to both the sites I downloaded them from. Uh, Hopefully some of that goes to, I, I don't know who it goes to at this point, uh, the webmaster, but like whoever runs these sites. But yeah, it's it's kind of like the Wild West with, with that stuff. I, I try to pay pay my way as much as I can. But uh, yeah, that that's a tough one. I don't know the actual answer to that. So, but it, you, you do it in hand uh, so that you can avoid that problem? Or no, 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 no. Uh, oh, we were talking before about uh, my website. Uh, my website, which has a uh, yeah, manual typewriter uh, uh, and uh, and handwriting, but that's just online. Yeah, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I didn't uh, I didn't typeset these books <laughs> by hand. <laughs> I'm not that old school. Yes, sir. Um, have you um, you considered when you're doing book events to maybe do a slideshow with the art? I have. I, I've I've done I've done slideshows. He yeah. did it last time. Yeah. Arcade. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times I, I'll do a slideshow. Uh, this this book actually has probably less art than the other books, uh, so I thought we'd get away with just talking. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, and a lot of the art and uh, there's some photographs in this book too from childhood photographs, but most of the art in the book is like childhood art, so maybe I'm less anxious to talk about it. <laughs> it would have been nice to have just a loop of the goofy pictures of you as a kid going yeah. over and over. But Well, you know, when I'm invited back to for reprise Maybe of this performance. Maybe we can do a hologram. A hologram? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That'd be fine. Anyone else? Mike Slavinsky, do you have a question? Nothing. You got nothing. All right. Do you have any final comments? Do you have any? Uh, well, thank you all for being here. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this is a really cool store. I've been here a few times. It's a, it's definitely a, a must stop for me if I visit San Francisco. I always want to stop here. Uh, uh, I don't know what else. Uh, Oh, okay, good. In um, Chicago or mm -hmm. in other cities you may go to on tours, are you finding that there's a lot lack or a loss of uh, brick and mortar bookstores in various mm. cities uh, and, and where you go? I mean, I, I haven't gone to that many in the last couple of years, uh, so it's it's hard to gauge, but. In Chicago, I mean, I can tell you they, they're, they're holding on. Uh, I mean, the only ones that survive are, are the, the very small and stores that either have uh, sort of a defined aesthetic or a focus uh, and sort of re reflect the owner's either tastes or something that offers something that you can't get online, basically. I mean, you know, as, as everybody knows, uh, no brick-and-mortar store can can compete as far as price with online retailers. It's just impossible. So what you have to offer is something that, that can't be gotten online, which is taste, uh, recommendations, and an environment that you'd want to spend time in, like this place. 
and what we're doing here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah. I I fill in part time at a couple of bookstores in, in Chicago, uh, and uh, I mean, people come in, young people, old people, and they they love being in these in these spaces. And, and the spaces are, are a reflection of the owners and uh, their care and their taste. Uh, every book passed through their hands, you know, it, it, it's not a warehouse type situation. And it's not an endless like, kind of parade of images uh, that you can't differentiate the way it so often happens on screens these days. You don't, yeah. you don't get human contact by online either. You don't? No, in my they don't. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I'm wondering whether or not for uh, because I saw it on a bumper sticker. Mm -hmm. uh, help me, I'm too creative. Chicago Institute <laughs> of Art. Do you, think that, do you think that that's a sales point for? Where, was for, that a recent thing? I haven't seen that. that. I saw that. I saw that a while ago. But I, I just help me, I'm too creative. And knowing knowing people who graduated from from uh, School of Visual Arts in New York, mm. you know, I, I kind of like. I said, are you asking if that's a problem I have? Or <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's a, do, you, do you think that it, it's a marketing technique that they have? Uh, well, I haven't seen that, but I, I guess they're yeah. So they're offering like, a, a, like oh, too much creativity. Making you think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a that's a puzzler to me. But like the way that you know higher ed or art school market themselves is a mystery I can't even begin to solve. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a whole other couple hour conversation. Your love of higher education. Yeah, yeah. my extreme love for the video. Anyone else? Yes. Have you ever thought about doing a book with color prints, or is it cost prohibitive? Uh it's it's a, it gets cheaper and cheaper. Uh, I haven't figured out uh, sort of like a overall idea where I, I wouldn't want it to be uh, just kind of hit or miss. I, I, I would want there to be a reason and uh, have a plan for the whole book being color as opposed to just every now and then. So yeah, and this I, I thought about having color reproductions in Soviet stamps, but it just didn't make sense as far as the aesthetic of the book. It, it made sense. It looked better in black and white. So yeah, it would have to be more like thoroughly thought out than I've gotten to yet. At some point in the future, for sure, though, yeah. Uh, also, uh, it, it gets to to this whole idea, uh, a whole problem of uh, reproducing color, uh, and color never reproduces correctly in photography or any kind of reproduction. From, but this this is coming from a painter. Uh, I mean, I I I avoided uh, computers. For years and years, because I hated the way that paintings looked on screens. I still do. They look terrible on like a painting. You, you can't get a, an idea of a painting off a computer screen. Uh, once I reconciled with that being just a different image and making an image as good as possible for a screen, that was okay. But uh, yeah, it's I haven't thought it through far enough, uh, getting it to a point where I could live with kind of aesthetically. Yeah. So in the future, someday. <laughs> So did you uh, come to San Francisco? Did you ever live here, or did you just nope. visit here? Yep. Yeah, I've visited here. Yeah. The first time you had flowers in your hair, right? The first time you came. Am I right? Damn. Yeah. That's the gotcha. That's the gotcha yeah, yeah. journalism that was promised earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've actually yeah I've been here a few times and uh, yeah. Uh, Three of the times for, for book events, which is cool. Yeah, so I've done two here and one at, uh, what's it called, uh, Green Apple, I think? Oh, that little one, yeah, yeah. The Green, Green Apple, Apple, yeah. Green Apple. Yeah, I think you went to that one. Yeah, it was with two other writers. Yes, yeah, that was the, that was for Three the, other writers. That, that was for the second cat book where I was on this bizarre kind of like group tour of the, of the West Coast. Have you been to Park Life? Mm-mm. Do you know about it? No, it's Parkway. You better go there. Okay. Parklife. Park Where is it? In the East they Bay? They love your book. Parklife is in the East Bay? No, it's in no, the it's East on, Bay. it's on Clement. It oh. Okay. All right. Oh. Will do.
<coughs> yeah, I highly recommend the new book. All of them are great. Um, this has a lot of hilarious stories. Where, where to? That's the um, funny one. That's the funny one. It's more upbeat. It's life affirming. But where to? Where to? A half memoir. Yeah, it's a second cat book. It's, yeah. it's up there by the register. You can take a look at your own copy if you'd like. Yeah. Um, good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much.